It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting, the fishing podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hello, everyone. I'm Captain Tim. All right, guys. Sorry for the little delay. You know, we've had a lot uh, going on, but uh, we got some good stuff. Um, fishing. We're going to talk a little bit about boats. I actually got to go to the Miami Boat Show. Maybe I'll have to tell you guys a little bit about that. Um, and yeah, remember, like, and subscribe. Give us a rating. Tim, you got any opening thoughts? Yeah, I got some openers. Um, want to thank everyone for their patience and understanding. My wife was uh, very sick last week, so we were not able to record. She unfortunately had the COVID-19 that so many people are struck with these days. But uh, back in action today. Uh, didn't didn't have a chance to get out. It was beautiful, finally on a weekend, but but the corona had us down. So um, I know Tanner got out. I know we went to the boat show. We got some cool stuff to talk about. So Tanner, you want to kick us off or what? Yeah, I guess I'll kind of start you off with the fishing. Maybe I'll let you talk about your boats and maybe I'll close it out uh, with some talk on the boat show. Saw some fishing celebs. So uh, let's start out with the fishing. All right. Sounds good to me. All right, Tim. So we started out, it was another, you know, this time of year, especially in Miami, it's usually pretty windy. So when it comes to the boat, we're often limited to the bay. Um, I know last year we got into a lot of Spanish mackerel and I've been going to almost the same spot and we caught that one Spanish mackerel a couple of weeks ago, but that has been it on the Spanish mackerel. So kind of same deal, had the boat club half day, went back to this same spot. Um, the way the current was going, we started out anchored in about 30. And on about my third cast of the day, 20 pound leader, 30 feet, I got slammed. Um, huge fish pulled me all over the place and it hung me up in the bottom. Um, very disappointing. It felt like a really good fish. So I, I gave it, I gave it about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, just waited, was patient. And sure enough, it came out. So I got it. And I really felt like, you know, this is a small circle hook, a light leader. Um, you know, and this is like a natural or it's not a natural. It's basically where the limestone channel is dredged out. So I'm sure there's all sorts of little holes and stuff in this limestone. And I fought it and I fought it and I pulled out about a 26 inch black grouper. So, um, on here on the East coast groupers are out of season. So I had to return her to the deep, but, uh, catching a keeper grouper is always a treat, uh, even when they are out of season. Yeah, that's no question. Um, I love the fact that you waited that one out too. Um, that's a technique that, that I regularly use when I'm, um, offshore grouper fishing it doesn't always end up working usually because I'm not patient enough. Um, that's definitely a technique. My wife, she is great at, cause she would just sit there and wait it out. And most of the time it's a grouper on the other end and her favorite fish to eat is a grouper. So, uh, that's really cool. You did that. And, and have you done that technique before? Is that something that, that you you've seen or you you've witnessed? Yeah. You know, I think it's something that I always kind of grew up aware of. Um, but I don't think it's something I've employed with success many times, but uh, you know what? It worked this time and that's all that's important. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, uh, even if it works this time and you don't, it doesn't work the next 10 times, you'll still do it because you had that success one time. And that's why I continue to do it because sometimes it works out. I find that uh, uh, I give them a fair amount of slack too. I don't, I don't have any tension when I let them do that. And it, it seems to work out best. Lots of times they've freighted up your leader enough that once you start putting the heat to them when they came out, they'll end up breaking you off either way. But it's still something to try. Yeah, especially with this light, light leader, you know, it was definitely a gift. But of course, it was out of season. It was great for a quick picture and then a quick release. All right. Um, so then the after that, we fished that spot a little bit longer. Finally got a decent lane, uh, pulled in about a 10-inch lane. And uh, my buddy Marcus fishing, uh, I was using shrimp. He was using live pilchards. He pulled in a gag grouper at about 24 inches. So we didn't measure his, but it was a little bit smaller. But again, a very good size grouper, um, you know, probably would have been close if it would have been in season. But again, since we weren't in season, uh, we, we had a quick release. Um, after that, the bike kind of slowed down a little bit. You know, it was never hot when we caught those groupers. Um, we were getting some nibbles on the bottom, some small yellowtails, but we wanted to move over a little bit. So we were on the shallower side of the ledge um, in about 10 feet, I think we anchored. And almost in the exact same spot where we were about uh, five weeks ago when we got into those yellow jacks in the bay and the yellow jacks showed up again. Um, good size yellow jacks. And we just had a run of them probably 10 minutes every drop. So I think we probably caught a total of about 10 yellow jacks between the two of us. And it was a, it was a quick bite, but it was a hot bite. And uh, they were actually hitting the shrimp kind of jigged on the bottom. And, you know, you drop that shrimp down there, maybe jig it twice, slam. It actually, the, the technique reminded me a lot of uh, fishing for redfish with live shrimp, just kind of a slow movement on the bottom. And those yellow jacks were just sucking it right up. Um, and I was fishing two rods at a time. The bottom was getting yellow jacks. The top water, I was uh, using yellowtail jigs with little shrimp. And I probably caught about five keeper mangroves. Uh, and my buddy Marcus probably caught two or three keeper mangroves. So overall, you know, a very successful day. Mangroves, yellow jacks, groupers, uh, one good size lane, and a whole mess of uh, undersized yellowtail and grunts. No, it sounds like a good day. Um, I love the fact that you got onto those yellow jacks and were able to, to um, capitalize on that bite. Now, have you fished for yellow jacks in that way before with the shrimp on the bottom, or was this a new technique that you had to try? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of times when I get yellow jacks, it's just when I'm leaving the bait still on the bottom, um, and they'll just hit it like that. It's not where I'm moving it like this. So I guess you could say it was a modified uh, technique because it did seem like I was getting more bites when I started bouncing uh, the shrimp than when I did just leave it still. And are, are you using any of the um, the live bait as well as shrimp for yellow jacks? Was it strictly on the shrimp this trip? These were live baits. Uh, you know, I did. I was actually able to catch about twenty five pilchards myself in the cast net, so we didn't have to buy them, uh, which was nice. Uh, but the, the mangroves will hit the pilchards, but the, the yellow jacks were not liking them. Now the pinfish did eventually come up in the chum and we caught a couple of those, but, uh, we just got cut off. So I think this week, if I'm able to get out, back out there, 
What I may do is target pinfish first thing, try to get six or eight pinfish in the live well, uh, then maybe try to drift for those grouper with the live pinfish. Yeah, that seems like that could be fun. Um, are you gonna be ta uh, targeting them with the, the light tackle or you think you're gonna go a little heavier since you're targeting those grouper? Yeah, I'll probably level up a little bit, maybe 30. You know, I feel like if we drift that main channel, it's all going to depend on how much boat traffic is out there. But if we are able to drift it for, you know, one to two drifts, you know, there's got to be more grouper, uh, snook, and uh, I think big muttons and mangroves down there, you know, that, that would hit um, big pinfish or, you know, decent sized pinfish. Yeah, you never know. Um, it's a really good sign. You caught two species of, you know, grouper and, and good size ones too. Um, I know that that spot or similar spots that we've talked about have been really productive. So yeah, I think it's worth a try and, and see what's down there. You just never know. Yeah, it would be cool to hook into something big, you know, even a big jack would be a lot of fun, you know, especially because it is, you know, 55 feet deep in some places. You never know what could be down there. Yeah, I, I could definitely see any number of species. You know, it's such a productive area where you're at over there in Miami and, and the amount of fish that come in and out. Um, I look forward to hearing about it if you're able to get out and do it. Yeah, we, we'll see. I got the boat for Sunday, but uh, we'll see how the weather pans out. And uh, yeah, before we go to your boat stuff, I also wanted to add, I've been going out and looking for those snook uh, some more and I have not caught one. I, I've gotten another bump and I've seen a couple chase my lure up, but I have not uh, gotten another hookup like I did on those first two days I went down there. Yeah, I've been, I've been wondering about how you've been doing with that. And I figured, figured it hasn't happened for you yet because I hadn't got a text message or a picture of one. Um, that's a bummer. Um, are, are you still regularly getting out and, and using the, the same technique and it's just not happening? Or, or what do you think is going on? Uh, it's hard to say for sure. You know, I, I've been out there maybe two to three days a week. So, you know, not a ton, but enough. I think the weather's really starting to warm up. And I think the snook are just, you know, probably clearing out of the canals a little bit. And I might have missed my window that that first time I got back there, there was a real chill in the air. Whereas now there, there's really not any chill at all. The, I, I can tell the weather and the warmers get water's getting warmer. Uh, you know, I'm not seeing as many mullet up in those canals as I was for a little while. Yeah, I, I think you probably hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, you know, since we last talked, there's been a definite warming trend, um, at least where I'm at over here in St. Pete. I can only imagine you being further south that it's been the same way. Um, I'm starting to see bait show up. Um, the water temperature is rising. So you may have just missed that window, unfortunately, caught the very end and then, uh, It'll keep you, keep you yearning for next year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Now, what about you, Tim? Tell me, uh, what have you been doing instead of fishing? Well, um, since, since it was such a nice day out on Sunday, I wanted to do a little um, boat maintenance, check it out. It's been weeks and weeks since I've even had the cover off of it. Um, I keep my boat on a trailer in front of the house and there's a big oak tree next door, which loves to pour leaves and oak pollen into it. So I keep a cover on it and I try to keep it cleaned out of all that oak stuff because it'll stain your gel coat. But um, the reason I, I went in there and, and this is how I kind of started discovering stuff is, is really twofold. 
uh, at work a boat that, that we operate semi-regularly. It's been a few months um, since we operated it. It had some mechanical issues. The, the port outboard motor um, was not functioning right um, last week. And uh, it, it made me think like, you know what? It's been probably four or five months since this boat was run. You know, we need to do better. We need to keep, keep these boats, you know, at least go start them regularly. So it kind of gave me a reason to take the cover off my boat, which is always a pain in the butt to do. It was very, um, very polony. So I didn't want to do it, but I did it either way. Cause now I got to wash it again. But um, uh, I decided to take the cover off and, and try to start it and just clean it and look for any, any issues, you know, spiders crawling here or maybe, maybe pumps hanging up, whatever it may be. And it just, it kind of inspired me to talk about this because I went out to my boat and it was dead. I got three batteries on it, two cranking batteries and a house battery, and all of them were dead, dead, dead. So I don't know what's wrong yet. I, I didn't really give it a lot of time. I just put the charger on it, charged it up for a few hours, was able to start the engine, um, ran it for, for 15 minutes just to make sure it cycled through and every, everything was running good. And um, I shut it off and let it sit for a few hours and started up again. Still don't know why it was dead. I, I know it's been two months since I've been out there, but um, it just, you know, it got me thinking. And since I wasn't able to fish, just wanted to remind folks to, to don't be like me. Um, this was a long stretch. I never let it go that long. I try to get out there, at least run it every couple of weeks. If the weather's good, um, I, I run it every week or more. So it was just one of those uh, uh, things where I was lazy and uh, I didn't want to take the cover off this winter. But when I did and I found the issues, I'm, I'm certainly glad that, that I was able to explore that because if I was trying to take the boat out because it was a nice day and my wife wasn't sick, I would have been pretty disappointed that I had to, uh, to charge it. And then I'm definitely not going to take it offshore before I figure out what's in that battery. Um, I got a feeling maybe it's a pump, a bilge pump of some sort um, that was just hung up for whatever reason. Maybe some of that oak pollen got in the bilge or something, but um, just wanted to touch on that. I, I know people, um, maybe they fish from shore, maybe they fish off boats that listen, but, uh, you can't sleep on maintenance. You know, I'm a professional boater and I still let it slip. So just wanted to, wanted to touch on that a little bit today. Yeah. That's, that's one of the real benefits I found of being in the boat club. You know, obviously I don't have the freedom that you do as far as when I use my boat, but I, I don't have to worry about that maintenance stuff, but it can get tricky, especially when you're troubleshooting issues like that and you don't know specifically what the problem is. So you're just kind of, you know, I mean, troubleshooting is the word, you know, trying different things um, and trying to fix different things and see if you can really identify what the problem is. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to take the boat out, maybe maybe on an inshore trip and and run it and, and just try to figure out what's going on. I, I went through the, the panel. I didn't see any switches left on the batteries were all turned off. So I'm just, I'm really concerned on, on what it is. I, I did put a load tester um, on my batteries and one of my cranking batteries was, was reading bad, but um, I think that was because of just how dead it was. I mean, I, I couldn't get, I couldn't get any reading out of it. So it took a, a number of hours on, on a 10 amp charge to even get it to where the, the alarm would click on when I turned the key. So um, I have to believe maybe one of the cells went bad and it, and it drained the other ones or 
a pump or something was hung up and just ran it till it till it uh completely completely went dead so that's some of the fun of boat ownership so um i got some work ahead of me absolutely absolutely uh well now that we're on the topic of boat stuff i can talk about the miami international boat show um one of the largest boat shows might even have they might even have claimed to have been the largest boat show it was a really awesome event they had three different areas um i actually got to meet some fishing celebrities you know um from from across the state of florida so we started out um in the uh, sailboat section walked around there you know the sailboats are always beautiful to look at but not particularly my cup of tea so then they actually had a, a water taxi ferry take us from that section over to the yacht section. Um, so we went to the yacht section, you know, walked through some really, really beautiful looking yachts. Um, they also had a bunch of um, booths in the yacht section. And I, I talked to a guy about getting an inflatable paddleboard. Um, and that's something that I'm really considering. Um, the company I talked to was called Pop Paddleboards. Um, you know, you can fit the whole paddleboard into the size of a backpack. I think for fishing some of these canals, like the ones near my house, um, and there's some creeks, and also, you know, just fishing the flats and the beach, uh, I, I think a, there's a lot I can do. And just because I don't have a garage and I have storage issues, I, I think that these inflatable paddle boards that are reinforced really could solve uh, a lot of my problems. So that's something that I'm seriously considering uh, potentially purchasing in the next couple months. Yeah, that, that's an interesting idea um, to not have the storage, but still give you access and, and allow you to kind of a, a little bit more freedom. Um, have you ever been on a paddleboard before? Are you a big paddleboarder? You know, I'm not, but uh, I, I have been on them before. Um, I know a lot of people do use them for fishing down here. Uh, the setup a lot of people have is they basically use their cooler as a seat. Um, so you're a little bit elevated and you're not necessarily having to stand up the whole time. Um, obviously there is stability concerns, especially if you do get into something big, but, uh, I don't know. I've seen people catch huge snook on them. You know, I, I think it could open up a lot of the flats further South, uh, for bonefish where I know there are bonefish, but it's a little bit muddy or grassy to wade. Um, you know, having that paddleboard could just give me, especially on nice days in the summer, you know, I'm not going to be able to get the boat club probably more than once a month fishing just weekends. Um, so when I have these nice days when there's no wind and I can't get the boat club, you know, I'll be able to drive down and uh, just kind of launch these on the flats and uh, paddle around a little bit and even, you know, potentially pole around and, and try to get some, uh, some bone fishing permit. Um, in addition to the beach fishing that I do, I think uh, on, on, again, these nice summer days where there's hardly wind, um, I think it could just open up, uh, you know, a few more options for me. And then also even in the winter, like now, I think potentially I could have landed those snook if I would have been on a paddleboard, um, instead of uh, shorebound. And then, and then I have another spot where I used to catch a lot of snapper in my little boat that I no longer have access to from the shore. Uh, but it's just right in this little canal, you know, only a couple hundred yards out. Yeah, I think that's a cute idea. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy. Um, I've, I've had trouble on paddle boards. Um, I've only done it, I think actually one time, but I really tried it. 
for like all afternoon at my friend's house behind um, on his dock there. But uh, if you can do it, good for you. But that that's something that I'm not uh, I'm not great with. I do think I was on like a, a small one or something because I could not stand up to save my life. The minute I'd get going, I'd fall over. So um, if you can master that craft, Hannah, and you're brave enough, go for it. Yeah, so so I'll move on to the next part of the boat show. We then took a bus to the part of the boat show where they had most of the vendors and the center consoles. Um, I looked at a bunch of different boats. Obviously, you know, the the Sea Fox and the Cobia are the two that um, I spend the most time on between my dad's boat uh, and the boat club boat. So I made sure to look at some of the options there. Um, I, my dad is looking at a Corval. I'm not sure if you've looked at those, uh, but those mm -hmm. were very nice. Um, I got to, uh, you know, reintroduce myself to Captain Rick Murphy. Um, he's one of the most famous fishermen in the state of Florida. Um, I've actually met him two other times. Uh, one time we were snook fishing and uh, I think it was actually might've been the first, not the first time, but the first time I ever caught a snook in South Florida when I was just visiting about six or seven years ago, we were, we were catching nonstop, you know, 14, 15 inches. Captain Rick Murphy rolls up with a 12 inch mullet and pulls out about a, you know, 42 inch snook. So uh, I met him another time and at a bar and I just mentioned that story. So I got a picture with him, you know, he, he seemed to remember me. Um, and then I saw a lot of other uh, fishing YouTubers. Some of them I thought about, uh, you know, bringing up coming on the podcast. Um, the jet ski guy, Emmanuel, I think his, uh, his page is something to do with seed. Oh, it's uh, I Belong Outdoors. I talked to him briefly and, you know, maybe I'll get some of them as, uh, as guests on here. Um, I talked to a guy from... Uh, Crocodile Bay in Costa Rica, another guy from uh, Los Buzos, maybe somewhere over there in the Costa Rica, Panama area um, that did Marlin kayak charters. So it, it, it was a cool, cool experience. You know, got to talk to some really great fishermen, um, got to see some really cool boats. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I like that. That's awesome. It seems like you met some cool people and uh, re-engage with some folks you knew before. And, and, you know, you mentioned that Cravalbo and Roballo and everything. Did you see any of those great giant center consoles, just like the ridiculous ones, Invincibles or Freemans or? Oh yeah. We like walked that? around. It was huge. The whole Miami beach convention center. I, I think we saw just about every brand of center consoles I'd ever heard of from, you know, yellow fins to like, you know, I, uh, probably Invincibles, and they like the cheapest boats there were probably, you know, 50, 60 grand with the, the you know, and that's just in the inside the convention center. They had several, well over a million. I mean, those yachts, those go way, way, way above that. If you could buy a yeah, yacht, it's pretty remarkable. Million, yeah, yeah. There, there's some amazing sleds in there. All right, Tim, let's move on to our final segment of the day, the fish of the week. And it is something we can all agree that we don't love too much. The Southern Puffer uh, Sporoids Nebulous. That is your typical puffer that we see a lot here um, in South Florida on the Gulf and the East Coast. Uh, what do you have to say about the Southern Puffer? 
Yeah, the, the puffer. I mean, it to me, it's a it's a, a trash fish. It's it's nothing that you want to have um, encounter with you. Um, it, it loves to destroy your soft plastic lures. I can't tell you how many hundreds I've had with big chunks or the tails bitten off. They got those beak like teeth that can cut through. It seems like darn near anything. Um, kids love them though. Kids love them. It's always, you know, a novelty when they catch one or you cast that one or something. So I, I can see that they have a, um, kind of a cool value there. Um, I know folks eat them. Um, I never have. I know that there's issues with toxin apparently. And, and it just, it doesn't seem like something that's super appetizing. So um, I, it's not for me. What about you, Tanner? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. They're, they're definitely more of a, a nuisance most of the time. I have read about people eating them and it seems, you know, incredibly risky, but at the same time, disgusting. So, you know, uh, even if they, 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 I, there's YouTube, you know, I'm not going to endorse eating them. There are several YouTubes that talk about how you can clean them. Um, but they all have that tetrodotoxin and it's in some organ. And if you eat their organs or get any of their organs on their meat, you know, it can, it can, I think it can kill you. And if not kill you, you know, put you in the hospital. So for me, it's not something that's worth it. I really hate catching them. They destroy my lures. They ruin my baits. Um, but kids do like them. So you, you do have a point there. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know what to do with them. Really. They're, they're, they're a menace. And then don't even get me started on some of the other puffers with the, the spikes, the porcupine puffer fish. So, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> not, not my favorite. Let's just put it that way. I'll leave it at that. All right, Tim. Well, I think that is going to be it for today. Um, remember again, like, and subscribe, leave us a review, please. Pretty please. I know I'm, I'm seeing the same people listening every week. Um, so I know we, we do have a loyal fan base. I can tell, um, by the amount of listeners we get, but you know, nobody's leaving us any comments. So, you know, it would, it would really mean a lot to us, uh, if you guys could leave us a comment. Yeah. Like Tanner said, uh, let us know. Um, I will be doing a little turkey hunting in the Everglades this next week. So hopefully I'm, uh, uh, have some success stories to tell everyone. All right, Tim. Sounds good. I'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. Bye.